Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Bobcat Goldthwaite wouldn't have ever been Bobcat if he hadn't met Barry Crimmins first some three decades ago and Goldthwaite was a teenager in upstate New York. Young Bob followed old Barry to Boston in the early 80s, where Crimmins took the eccentric, unique, comedic voices of Boston and created a scene where they could flourish and explode onto the national stage. A wicked satirist himself, Crimmins turned his attention towards social causes, going to Nicaragua to support the Sandinistas when Ronald Reagan was funneling cash and weapons to Iran and the Contras, standing with Cindy Sheehan in Crawford, Texas, when George W. Bush across the street was waging war in Iraq, and most personally for Crimmins, campaigning Congress to stop pedophiles on the internet. Goldthwaite has thrived in recent years as a director of TV series, talk shows, and feature films, and he's now made a hauntingly beautiful and powerful documentary about the life and work of Crimmins. Call Me Lucky debuted earlier this year at Sundance, and it arrives at selected movie theaters across America starting August 7, 2015. Goldthwaite and Crimmins join me to talk about their friendship, this film, and comedy. So let's get to it. All right, so Bobcat Goldthwait, Barry Crimmins, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us, Sean. Or thanks, thank you. <laughs> I guess we're having you. You've been had. <laughs> You've been had. Now, I, I don't want to give too much away because it's... it's no, Call it's, me Lucky's, not that, it's not that kind of movie. Call Me Lucky is a great movie. People should be well aware that it, it hinges largely on the fact that I'm a survivor of childhood rapes so that nobody, you know, who is at a stage of the game where they're, you know, that could be difficult for them. They should know that. It's not like, it's wait not a, for our surprise ending. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spoiler not, alert. Yeah, it's not. The doors will be locked for the last 40 <laughs> yeah. minutes of this film. It's not like Hitchcock promoting um, Psycho. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, it, Barry really is his mother. <laughs> no, um, so I... I um, <laughs> took a sec. It, it's, it's, uh, well, thank you. I'm glad you liked the movie. You know, one of the things that I'm having a little problem with it is it is a very... It's a, a life-reaffirming movie, and it is a very heavy movie, but I, I do feel and I, that, um, um, despite the nature of it, that it's, it's a funny movie. I, I, I think it would be hard to do a movie on Barry and not, not have it be uh, uh, funny. You know? And that's not me as a, as a guy who makes movies saying, oh, my movie's funny. I, I, I'm very happy when I'm sitting there. It's great that people get so much out of the movie, but it m- means so much to me when, when I hear those laughs. You know? Then I feel me like... Too. You know, it's like, oh, okay, so... Well, when you, you start the movie up and you get those big explosive lamps from a giant crowd of people, it's really... Now I understand that thing you say about why you love going to film festivals, which is... That I get to see it with people. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... Uh, it just it started as a voice in your head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the things, as somebody who, who follows comedy, one of the, one of the, the revelations that I think I might have known, but not to, quite to this extent, is how far back your relationship goes with each other. Yeah. When when was the last time, Barry, that you went by the name Bearcat? I ne- you know, people call me that. I never in my life said, hi, I'm Bearcat, except when I make that statement. I, <laughs> I, I, but w- what happened was that uh, 
Old Stone Mill, they had a chef named Barry. So when we put the ad in the paper so they would know who the phone call was for, they would say, they put the ad in, they said, ask for Bearcat, because they didn't want to bug the chef all day with calls from, you know, lunatics like him. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. yeah. He, so, so, so that chef could have easily yeah, been Bearcat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone's so going to be yeah, Bearcat. Yeah. So, so, so Bob... Well, I mean, I got the nickname. We were watching the movie The Alamo with some of my high school football player buddies, and at one point, Wayne says about Widmark, who's playing Jim Bowie, he's meaner than a little bear cat, and it was I was doomed. After that's what they. That's where you got that from. Because, so- you know, and actually, I mean, the reason I was a pretty good football player was because I was numb child abuse. <laughs> it's like, let me see if I can feel this. Blammo. No, uh, the, the try pain, again. Pain is an escape. Yeah, or. Or just not, feel. just not processing it. it. Wasn't registered. So if, so if we'd gotten the chef that day, this would have went completely yeah. different. No, I, I would, I, I would probably still be cutting onions. Yeah, <laughs> either that or making a cooking contest show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that simple thing, that's where left Bobcat, left Bob yeah. with a legacy of being Bobcat. Bobcat, you know, yeah. it was my revenge because they were mock. So he and the little wise ass Kenny were mocking. Yeah, Tom Kenny. Tomcat and Bobcat. Yeah. And I knew they were, and they lied. For and we years. lied. I finally broke him in the car one night. We were in Syracuse, and I broke him, and he just like. No, there's some guy who was decided he was a cat. It was a guy who was calling himself something, and I go, I go, he can't do that because I'm Tomcat and he's Bobcat because I'm Bobcat. He's Tomcat <laughs> because because we were making fun of you, and you were like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Well, I always knew, but you yeah. never owned up yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I did. I yeah. stood up. And then you're guys. just laughing so hard. When you were driving, it was yeah. dangerous because yeah, you're like yeah. swerving. You're laughing so hard. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck you. You know. But they put my. They put that stupid name in the paper because it was to differentiate <laughs> me from the chef. That's it. And, uh, hi, I'm Bearcat. What kind of a fucking dildo do you think I am? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so look at him. Here he goes again. <laughs> it's so funny to him, but I just think every time I say Bobcat. Yeah. Now, how, Bob, how old like, were you and Tom when you first we met Barry? Met Barry? Uh, Tom was 15. I was 16. I was I, 25, contrary to, you know, to the movie. Yeah, 40. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did you think of these two teenagers? Well, I thought they were great. They were really funny. They were trenchant and they were biting and satirical and they were sending up really dumb stuff in the society and I thought these guys are cool but they were also very dear because in the, in the spare time they were asking me strategies for getting prom dates so it, yeah. was, it was really they were really so that just made them so dear to me you know and they were just you know and I just wanted to do right by them from the start but the first time they took the stage they killed they were great you know and I, I just you know just fell into it so I mean I was again we, we named the movie the right I mean I think the subtitle of the, you know at first off we gave it the right title but the second the subtitle should be thank god I was nice to that kid that night <laughs> <laughs> and what did you think of uh, Barry I I remember the first time uh, the Old Stone Mill had a stage and Barry would put a desk on it so he could write because he you know his material was always even back then, before he was all political, was still current events, so he was always writing. So I remember coming in and looking on the stage, and there's this guy, and he's writing, and 
he was smoking, but in my mind when I remember it, just smoke was coming out of every place, like his ears. It was just he was just backlit with all this smoke all around him. And um, uh, Tom Kenny says that you said, "Oh, it's the fucking kitty core." <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Probably, um, because I'm sure he thought we were adult men when we called and answered the ad. You know, I imagined. And if I was making a, a movie, movie version, I would have had Tom Kenny doing an old guy's voice. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> he probably didn't beef it up. Well, it takes something, it takes something special to, to launch yourself headlong into stand-up comedy when you're still a teenager. Yeah, but, you know, there's a, there's a history of a lot of folks doing it. You know, Tommy and I weren't the only ones. And, and really, in hindsight, Barry wasn't that much older than us when he pulls the, pulls the trigger, you know. Like Chappelle's no, I was really uh, to young. tell you the truth. I won a talent contest when I was 90, 19 and at uh, the Four Seasons in uh, uh, in New Hampshire, the uh, one of the ski towns. How uh, many Four Seasons in New Hampshire are there? Well, I don't know. There's Four Seasons <laughs> hotels now, but then it was this place called the Four Seasons, and I went in. We needed to win. My friend Christer was a harmonica player. And it turned out that people are not really that interested in lead harmonica. <laughs> so so he was going to win us the money, which we needed, you know. So he didn't. <laughs> and so you clear. went up and did a set? So I just went up and did a set. Wow. And, and I got second place. But the thing is, the guy who won had the place full of ringers. On, in fairness, I, I should have won. Had you won. And you guys needed the money for That's the last contest I entered, too. What did you need the money for? Alcohol. I thought he was going <laughs> to say for gas. No, New Hampshire. Well, <laughs> yeah. I had to go to the liquor store. Yeah. Did you ever do any contests, Bob? Oh, sure, sure. I did a lot of them uh, when I was starting out in Boston. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I remember doing one with... San Francisco. San Francisco. But I remember doing one with Tingle and Dennis Leary and Tony V and I driving to Rhode Island. And, and I actually won the prize money and then spent it on the same kind of things Barry did. <laughs> but uh, we... Uh, I remember there was a guy who juggled, and um, he had his patter down, and he was uh, juggling axes. And one of the axes he dropped, and it flew into a table and stuck into the wood. Oh my! And God. went and vibrated. All the beers went flying off. And then he he didn't win. Yeah. Yeah, but no, but he <laughs> surprised. He doesn't. He just goes. And then of course there's the Richard Nixon juggle. <laughs> he oh, doesn't stop. Oh. He bounced. Yeah. You know. uh. But, um, yeah, you know, the weird thing about being a comedian and, and you, you join a contest, you, you think, well, I'm just going to do it. It'll be for exposure. And unfortunately, by the nature of it, you suddenly, there's no way within the second night or third night, you know, you're suddenly freaking out and competing with your friends and stuff, you know. I think... I worked hard to keep contests out of Boston. Yeah, I think I think... I think show business is competitive enough. I don't know. If I give really Rembrandt three stars. I give Gauguin two and a half stars. The winner and defending champion is Rembrandt. <laughs> you know, like, come on. It's, it's competitive enough without that. And plus, it turns everyone in the audience into a judge. You know, well, all these people watch all this stuff. Now they come in with crossed arms. Like, and, and you get a lot. You were the best. Like, I, well, you just, you just insulted two of my dear friends. Yeah. And it's also weird just to, to turn, yeah, turning, you know. It, it, you know, comedy competitions not only uh, pit comedians against each other, they also pit established comedians uh, against up-and-coming comics. Yeah. It, it's all pretty gross. Well, that's why I, I, I so enjoyed I just got back from Montreal, and Dana Gould gave the keynote speech there. And yes, it was, I heard. And it was so 
brilliant, and even if you're not in comedy, it's it's inspiring to be reminded that you don't need to be in a competition right. yeah, with yeah. everybody. Yeah, and if I, you're doing it, you're doing it. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, I I, I make a movie about every year, every year and a half. Uh, someone asked me, they go, which filmmakers are you competing with? And I was like, I'm competing with the Grim fucking Reaper. You know, I mean, yeah. I figured out what I love doing late in the game, and I'm really happy. And uh, I, I, I don't look over at anyone else's career because because mine is mine, and it's you know, I, I I'm yeah. really lucky. And I, I think I think it, it, it's bad to, you know, uh, you know. Stand-up is is so. There's, you know, if if someone's got an original voice and then they're they're performing and then they look over and other people are shooting past them, you know, there's no way not to take that personally. But but you know, it's 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 really important to. In some cases, though, if they were if they had the proper context, they'd realize it's encouragement. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean that. I mean, yeah, there would be there would be clubs true. that I would do when I was a young man, and I would bomb, and I, and I would think, well, badge of honor. And I would think, uh, I bet you Andy Kaufman wouldn't have done well tonight. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, people that I looked up to. You know, and I, I mean, the Grim Reaper thing is a forty-three year uh, overnight success story. I'm well aware of that. I mean, that's you know, you can do whatever you want. I want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> now? <Yeah. laughs> now you ask me? Yeah. But I mean, Barry, you could, you could, you could, you could have just rested on your laurels of, of having cr- helped created and, and molded a comedy scene as great as Boston's. No, I mean, you know what? Those guys, that was self-service. They, there were, there were, there was just so much talent there. I mean, you know, having the, having been around and having done some comedy. The only thing I really contributed was I knew how shittily comics were treated everywhere, and I my idea was that if you treat somebody like they're someone, like that they matter, and 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 their voice deserves to be heard, that when they walk out on the stage they might act like someone. And as a representative of the show I was producing, I wanted people to walk out there realizing that I was behind them, the club was behind them, and you know, and you know what, use your best judgment and do your best, just be a original and do what you do you know not what I do not what I but do what you do and you know this is a this is a place for that to, to let it fly and I mean and it, it, when you look at the just the broad array of talent that was just bubbling under the lid you know all I did was lift the I lifted the lid off and you know and I get a lot of credit for that I mean all I did was basically be nice to people but but he, well, which is a new he, approach. But he but he did, but but he did. He encouraged people uh, to be original, and not derivative of each other. I mean, he was the gatekeeper, you know. So so that that weird little greenhouse that we had there for a few years. There is a, a reason why people all had their own unique styles, and it wasn't. And it. It, it, it was a large part had to do with the emphasis from Barry and some other folks to, to, to find your own voice and, and, and not be like anyone else. Um, so, so, you know, he, he's being humble, but, but, you know, he, he, and he gave guidance to people, uh, you know, um, total bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So he's being humble, but he, he, he really had a lot to do with helping a lot of us get started. Yeah, the Boston scene could have gone a different way if you hadn't yeah, been They could have just taken what they, what they were given or, or and it, been... Yeah. Or it could have been really hacky. You know, I mean, it could have been, uh, you know, it, it could have just, uh, you know, m- most most c- cities have have clubs that really have pandering cl- comedy clubs, and he at least pushed that away for a few years. You know. Yeah, you could have you could have had that effect on a different city. Well, I mean, yeah. I I will say this. I felt, and I, but you know, not mine, but our. I think the city and the comedy scene there rested on our laurels for quite a while, and then it, it ended up in these sort of ridiculous generational disputes and you know like the old guys think well how come we don't get to do this club the new guys or whatever it's just like well wherever you you know hustle something up just do what you have to do in both directions everybody you know or how come they're still using this dinosaur well because you know what my i saw muddy waters play you know when he was like probably 75 years old no one told him to stop well but i mean there's there's um you know, there's comedians in the movie that uh, that weren't part of that initial scene, but they like, you know, David Cross is in the movie, and, and David started much later after the, the Ding Ho was gone and stuff, but he was a fan of Barry's, because even though the style couldn't be further uh, uh, different, uh, but they were taking on almost the same targets, and, and so David had a... a uh, a fondness for Barry, so Barry would end up doing doing shows with uh, Cross Comedy, which is basically what eventually became Mr. Show and stuff. But you know, it it, it is key to me that to to um, you know it, the the movie is such a uh, it's it's a heavy movie, but I, I hope if it works for you that it's a it's a life reaffirming movie, and it's not even just stand up centric. You know, I would have done this movie. If if Barry had another line of work, you know, if Barry had been the chef at the under the stone when I called up, because you know it's a story of courage and and if I pulled it off, hopefully you laugh, which is a, a big deal for me. You know, it, it 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 if you know Barry taught me early on that if you if you have something to say, you can smuggle a lot more content to people if you can make them laugh while you while you do it. Well, and Barry, Barry, you just said about about going to Boston and the scene there lifting the lid up. I feel like that's how you could describe your whole career is just lifting the lid up and, and letting the light in on yeah, whether well it's the Nicaraguans or, 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 or child abuse. Or his own or, life, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Yeah, well, he's you know, a I mean, and, uh, so I, yeah, you call me lucky and fortunate, you know. I mean, I don't know why kids get raped, but if kids are going to get raped and there's some grander scheme to think, I could figure, I I guess I should have been one of them because I was given the ability to tell people about stuff they don't want to hear. What what is what is the last thing that, that Bob had to say to you to convince you to to not only be the subject of this documentary but to be a a vivid part of it and perform special show at the at the comedy studio and he uh, he said, "Hey, instead of making a narrative film about your life why don't we make a doc and I said great idea <laughs> that was how hard it was I mean I, trust, not I, a hard I, I trusted him yeah. with my life and it was a, and it was I, a very good investment I, I had been trying to Barry and I you know I've always wanted to tell Barry's story I, so what I did was in 
I wanted someone to play him, and then when I realized that was going to be a hard movie to make, you know, Robin Williams is my best friend, and he knew Barry's story, and he was a fan of Barry's, and he knew my passion to make Barry move a movie about Barry, and he suggested making the doc. So, so Robin actually gave him the in, initial funding uh, the, that started the movie going. You know, so anyway, that was. And then right around then, you guys heard the Marin. Yeah, I heard I heard him on Marin and I heard him on um, Dana's show, and I was like, well, I feel that he's comfortable enough to discuss these things because I, I didn't want to make a doc where I, I felt that I would be exposing my friend to possibly going into shock or, or just to 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 I didn't want to exploit my friend, and when I heard that I felt that he was well enough, I thought perfect time to exploit my friend, <laughs> and I all. I, but I mean, it, it is a nonfiction story, so it's. I think it was. Yeah, it's, I think it serves best yeah. by the way it was. We gotta wrap it up. Yeah, is there any? Uh, is there any? Uh, what's the last great piece of advice you received from someone that that kind of resonates with with your work, whether it be in comedy or in activism or in filmmaking? Well, I, I don't know why you think I ever listened to anybody's advice. <laughs> I have my own advice, you know. I, I like to, to remind people, because it's so un-American, that it's important to keep quitting um, and keep quitting until you end up someplace you don't want to leave, you know. Yeah. Like people w would find, you know, peop people that get, people aren't aware of the career I'm on now. And that's cool with me because uh, I said no to reality shows and, and game shows and all that stuff. I had done all that crap as a young man. I had the same career most people have at the end of their career, at the beginning of my career. I sold out as a young man. So now as an old guy, I, I know those things don't make me happy. Benjamin Button, showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm very glad and I'm sure many people are, are fortunate that you haven't quit being a director and that you made right. Call Me Lucky because it's a, it's a hauntingly powerful, beautiful film. Oh, well, thank you. you. He's uh, all praise to uh, the mighty Bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing your time with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Last this episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.